Welcome to the More Than Hearers podcast. I'm Orion Williams, and I'm here with Peter Willis, and we're going to talk Bible on this show uh, today, in particular, in episode 21. Rome, um, wow. <laughs> How long has it been? Oh, man, we are five chapters into Ephesians, plus we had an in-between episode, and you tried to pull out Romans. I had a Mercury shake for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> We're on Romans 27 <laughs> this week. Uh, they said don't eat that. Uh, yeah, I've been I've been a little screwy, um, and it's probably well. We talked uh, last time about uh, our tooth issues, and so let's just blame that. All right, let's just blame the tooth things. We're in Ephesians today. Ephesians five. Cinco de Ephesians. Oh, I'm gonna offend somebody. Don't put I'll too stop. many O's in there. Yeah, sorry. That's, um, yeah. I was trying. What, what do we? What, we have contact points. Pe- people can get a hold of us. Did you know this, Peter? I, I had heard. Okay. Some the, things have shown show. up in my inbox. All right. Yeah. yeah so, yeah, yeah. they probably went one of these two courses. Well, three technically, but one of them is they can email us at podcast at morethanhearers.com. Maybe they hit us up on the Facebook page at facebook.com/morethanhearers, or maybe. They tweeted me at Orion Plays Music or you at MTH underscore Peter. That's, those are the places. I hit them all. Um, we are, as I said, in the book of Romephesians. Romephesians? Uh, yeah, Ephesians chapter 5. And uh, coming off of our last episode, uh, we had we had did made some discussion points that are going to come back to bite me in this one. <laughs> not, <laughs> that's not entirely true. No, I don't think so. Um, there, topics we dismissed in the previous episode are now going to be addressed in this episode. It's I, important not to make the Bible, you know, par- par- parts of the Bible about things that it's not. Because there's times where it will be about probably the thing that you want it to be about. But don't try to shoehorn everything into those topics. My new favorite phrase. I've been using it for a while now. I think I've used it on this podcast. I should be able to say it by now, but go ahead. Yeah. Can't make the Bible say anything it doesn't say. And we can't pretend it doesn't say something that it does. And so last week, last week, last month, last year, whenever you listen to the last episode, the last episode, we talked about this passage at the end of Ephesians 4 that says, uh, don't let any, uh, I'm going to get it right. Um, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. It's Ephesians 4.29. And we talked about, is that talking about curse words, foul language? And I think we decided that definitively that's not what that passage is talking about. But I think you did and we did end it with, end that portion of it with, Uh, That doesn't mean the Bible doesn't address it. It's just not what Ephesians 4 is talking about. Spoiler alert, Ephesians 5 does talk about it. We found it. It does talk about a lot of other things too, so we're going to get started. Ephesians 5, as always, we're in the NIV. Uh, It reads well, it listens well, and that's what we're going to go with. Uh, Chapter 5, verse 1. If you're trying to follow along on a paper Bible, Ephesians is towards the back of the book. Do your best to get there. Uh, you can always pause and hit the table of contents. Get there however you're going to get there. Ephesians 5, starting in verse 1. It says, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, 
just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. And I want to pause there only because as we get through this chapter, I want you to be willing to reference back, especially if you're in a physical Bible or you're looking at it in a digital device, of how well this chapter comes full circle. And it's really bringing the book of Ephesians full circle. When you say so, full circle, do you mean like the continuing loop from chapter four? That they're no, like, I mean chapter five on its own. Okay, because looking back at chapter four, it's unfortunate that there's a chapter break here, really. It really is. Because it, it just continues right through. It, it does. So we're not, we haven't picked up a new subject line really from where four left off. Because um, four, four, the end of four talks about putting off falsehood, speaking truthfully to your neighbor. Don't sin. Anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer. Work, do something useful with their hands that they may share, they may have something to share with those in need. And it keeps on going about get rid of the, the chapter ends with. I'll give you 31 and 32 of chapter 4. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ in God, for, uh, God in Christ forgave you. I may have gotten it wrong both times because I skipped ahead to chapter 5. But, um, oh, just as in Christ God forgave you. And then it bumps right in. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And these these words are so much more powerful than they read, because it's this walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. You've got to get, if you, if you don't, if you didn't hear it, let me really break it down for you. Part of loving, whether it's your spouse or your neighbor or your family or your friends or whoever, part of loving is a giving up of yourself. It's sacrificial. It's you are more important to me than me is important to me right now or in general. It's a sacrifice. Christ gave himself up for us. I'm getting way ahead of myself. I'm getting to the end of the chapter, and I don't mean to, but it's going to come around again. Christ gave himself up for us in a time or at a time when we weren't even interested in Christ. Before we were ever even able to accept him or willing to accept him, he still gave himself up for us. That's love. And that's what we're called to in relation to each other putting off bitterness and malice and strife and envy and all of that stuff, putting all of that stuff away and living this way instead. It's revolutionary stuff. And like I say, those verses read really smooth, but they're calling us to a different way of life. And it's going to keep going. Verse three, but among you, there must not be even a hint. Did you hear me? A hint of sexual immorality. Oh, well, okay. I'm not sexually immoral. We're all good, right? It's going to get harder. Or any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Now, this is really hard because the Christian church, especially in this modern age, goes, the Bible isn't, isn't full of all these things you're not supposed to do. It's full of all these things you get to do. You get life in Christ. You get this. You get joy. You get that. It doesn't say don't do things. And then we get into Ephesians 5 and it goes, don't do these things. But you've got to look at it in the heart that it's given in. Look at it in the context of verse 1 and 2. Walk in the way of love. 
just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. There can't even be a hint of these things because these are improper for God's holy people. It, it, never mind whether they're sinful or not. That's not what this verse is saying. It's not saying these things are sinful. It's saying if you're God's holy people, this isn't even proper. This is not characteristic of those who are committed to God. Verse 4, nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. That's the craziest phraseology I would I could have thought of to use. I, I don't know, Paul, what should we call these things? Like, and you're jotting it down. I just tell them they're out of place. Like, it's so dismissive of them. It's like, these things are wrong. No, no, no. no they just... They don't belong. Uh, it's square peg in a round hole. Yeah. It's just out of place. Why is there an orange cup with all the blue cups? It's out of place. It, and that's what it should be in our lives. And I'm, <laughs> I wanted to say in your lives, because <laughs> I'd rather point the finger at everybody else. But I got to point the finger at myself. Paul goes, these are just improper. These shouldn't even, they shouldn't even be anywhere near you. It's just ridiculous to think that you would go there. I think I have to turn this into confession time or something. Or I'm glad you, it takes awkward. the it takes the burden off of me from doing it. Yeah, it's like awkward personalization time uh, with Orion. Uh, yeah. So yeah. So he addresses here obscenity. Yeah. Which we can. I mean, we can boil that down into something. I think like we understand. I mean, we could say, is this about curse words? I'm not sure that it is. Still, you know. Maybe. Maybe. But does it I mean, matter? Could, well, like, okay, so it matters in this. Where do you draw the line, right? So, like, if we say uh, feces, ah, all right. Oops, he said feces. You know, ah. no, no. Everyone's like, oh, that's the uh, that's the scientific term for poop or whatever. Yeah. But but then it, there's the S word, obviously. Yeah. And then, well, that's an obscenity. Well, okay, hold on a second. They both mean the same thing. So, like, is that obscene? In context, I mean, it depends on it depends on place and people. I think right. again, I mean, I, I I would hold that 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 is not an obscenity in some contexts. And I, I know I might be walking a fine line here or whatever, but it's it's going to get even finer because <laughs> the next after that comma, all right, we've got foolish, foolish talk. talk. Okay, what? Because yeah. does that mean one of the greatest songs of the eighties, Safety Dance? I mean that. Oh. That song is foolish talk. It's foolish singing. <laughs> uh, 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 the hokey pokey. Is the, you know. You're gonna have to turn yourself around. Yeah, I mean, the, like, where do you draw the line here? Like, when when is it foolish to the point where it's out of place with, in God's kingdom? You, you know, get me? Yeah. And then and then, uh, coarse joking. Like, okay, so like, poop and fart jokes are out. You know, like, or are they? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> like what. I, where do you draw the line on this stuff? It's 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 a little tricky for me. And then and then to close that with, but rather Thanksgiving, like oh that's a party win you know win right there. Like hey I'll I got a good joke for you. At the end it's just like shouldn't we be thankful for everything? Every good blessing? thank God for that joke. Yeah, but but how do we take this in a practical context? This episode is being recorded and published near Thanksgiving. It is. Does this then mean that um, the only way we can use obscenities, foolish talk, or coarse joking is at Thanksgiving? 
what? No, I'm kidding. Sorry. <laughs> I was just trying to see that's almost foolish that's talk. Foolish talk. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine that that rebuke? <laughs> that's foolish talk. <laughs> Repent, sinner. Yeah, that's and part of me, part of me wants to sound like my grandmother and go, and my grandmother never said this, but it just feels like something a grandmother would say of if you wouldn't talk about it in front of Jesus, you shouldn't be talking about it at all. Sure. Uh, yeah, but like that's what I want to say is like you're right, but but then we have the presence of the Holy Spirit. We have God with us at all times. So why should we act any different? Why would we even say that we would act different if Jesus was face to face, physical embodiment in front of us? Absolutely. This is hard stuff. I don't know how hard to make this. I, I, it's not hard. It's uncomfortable. There you go. But it's I, uncomfortable. I like. I'm. I'm thinking. Paul must have had a sense of humor. Like so. Like what's you know? Is it is any joke? Like you can't say any joke is foolish talk, right? I mean, like because no. some things are not um, winsome necessarily. I, what's the right word? Some things are not necessarily uh, encouraging or building up of character or whatever. They're just uh, they're small talk. Or here's something that I encountered that I thought was funny at no one's expense. But, you know, at some point, is that foolish talk? Like, there's, there's a place to draw this where you become almost so far removed from what it means to be a, a, a human. I mean, yeah, we are holy people, but we also relate to, I mean, we all have rear ends and nasty stuff comes out of it. So, like, there's stuff, like, that we deal with. It's human stuff. Like, I don't know when, to, when that is completely unmentionable. So, here goes, I'm going to... I'm going to hurt somebody's feelings. I took it here. No, it's okay. So I have, I shared this before, I think in the last episode of things Peter feels like are missing from the Bible. And um, not that anything is missing from the Bible. Things I wish would have been added in. I think last episode I shared, um, I want to know what happens to the people who got healed Mm -hmm. the day after. Right. Like they can't beg anymore. They can't whatever. Another thing I wish was in the Bible is some accounts of Jesus and the 12 just chilling, just hanging out. Yeah. Like sitting around the fire, Peter lets one go. Jesus like, oh, man, I'm sending that thing back to where it came from. Like just, yeah. did it happen? Right. It had to have happened, but we don't have it. And so because we don't have it, we make the Bible out to be as proper as possible. Sure. Jesus was all about, you know, he spoke in, Kings, in the King James English. And Truth. Um, the apostles all wore collared shirts with ties. Um, jackets to formal occasions, and um, you know they didn't cover their heads, especially not indoors, um, et cetera, et cetera. Like we, we give the Bible a formality that I think it deserves on a certain level, but I think we, what I wish we had was that casual relationship of just Jesus and the disciples on the road to somewhere, or sitting around the table together. You know, the only sitting around the table we really have is, this is my body, which has been broken for you. This is my blood of the new covenant, yeah. which is great, and we need it. It's serious stuff, though. Right. It's real, and I'm not dismissing yeah, it. Yeah, it's not casual. I just wish we had, what does a casual friendship with Jesus look like? Oh, I don't have an answer. I just wish it was there. Yeah. Again, nothing missing from the Bible. I just wish it was in there. That's all. Okay. We're going to cover a few more verses here. We're picking up in verse 5, but I want to address this. If you're fairly new to the podcast, you haven't 
heard me do this before. And so it might be uncomfortable for you. And I just want to set it up ahead of time. Uh, verse five has a, what we call a parenthetical reference in it. Verse nine is a parenthetical reference. And what I like to do when I read these is leave the parenthetical reference out as I read it because the sentence reads better. And then we'll come back and address the parenthetical reference. So don't send me evil hate mail that says, oh, you left something out of the Bible. I just want you to hear it the way it was written and still address the piece in the middle. So verse five, if you're following along with me, it says, for of this, you can be sure no immoral, impure, or greedy person has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Did you catch that? For this, you can be sure no immoral, impure, or greedy person has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Now, the parenthetical reference says this. It says, no immoral, impure, or greedy person. And it says, such a person is an idolater. And that's the thing. That's really what it boils down to is if you go, uh, can I be a Christian and have my uh, fart jokes too? Or can't I be a Christian and have my, you know, my this, that, or the other thing? Or can I be a Christian and this too, or that too? And at what point... What things are you willing to elevate to the level of life in Christ? Oof. Man. That hurt as soon as I said it. I just stopped listening to this podcast. <laughs> well, now that there's <laughs> one of you left, because there were only five in the first place, uh, and two of them are Ryan and I. Uh, but it's, it's truth. I can't pretend the Bible doesn't say something that it does, and this is what it says. I'm so glad it has this here. This is, addresses something that I, I had a recent struggle with, and it was just... I wanted to understand what idolatry looked like in oh, the yeah. New Testament. You know, like we have it very clearly in the Old Testament, but and I wasn't challenged. I, I was at a, a I like was a small present group. for this. I think yeah. I was teaching this class. Uh, that sounds right. I yeah. was, yeah. And and I just I just put it out that you know, do we have a New Testament reference to this? And and God showed me a, at least in one other place. But but this is another example. If you if you don't know why people Christians, New Testament believers of God, believe in this idolatry, even though we don't have graven images in in the world. Uh, well, we do, but you know, who's really worshiping a graven image? Who's who's make carving an idol and going? This is this is now my God, my God, yeah. right? Because it's so it's so absurd. I mean, it could be happening. If you know anyone that's doing that, I mean, that would be. Uh, shoot, now I'm going to ask you to share the story about how silly yeah, this person is. Please email us yeah, no. and share it. And I want to know. It goes against the spirit of this <laughs> this chapter. Let's wait till the next chapter. Um, no, but it, yeah, it, it talks about immoral, impure, and greedy people are idolaters. Yeah. So these things are idolatry. What things are you willing to elevate to the level of or more important than your life in Christ? I don't, I don't like saying that. It makes me very uncomfortable. Because if I'm honest about my personal life, there are things where maybe not consciously, but in my behavior for sure, um, I elevate them there. Of, I'll read the Bible later. I want to see what's on Instagram. Like, Is Instagram foolish talk? Sometimes. You, <laughs> you're not following the accounts I'm following. Anyway, uh, and, and it follows up with this. And it says, uh, verse 6, Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. 
Paul mixes no words. He goes, ah, you should, probably shouldn't hang out with them very much. He goes, no, nope, don't be partners with them. What is this, uh, let no one deceive you with empty words, especially on the heel of all of these things that he lists off? And an immoral, impure, greedy person, such person's an idolater, and they don't have any inheritance in the kingdom of God. And let no one deceive you with empty words. It's not a new paragraph. It's the same thought. And the only thing I can think of is, is there are certainly those people out there who will go, oh, God doesn't, he doesn't care if you tell you know, off-color jokes. Hey, God, God created you to be funny. Those are empty words. That's someone telling you it's okay to compromise your belief. Those are empty words. Um, any of that stuff. I don't know. I I want to be stronger on this, but it hurts yeah, my huh? own feelings. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's truth. This is what the Bible says. I can't, can't pretend it doesn't say it. It almost, I mean, it does. It, I can see what, how some people, maybe I, I might call them stronger in faith than I, I am, but I, I didn't think of it as a faith issue. But you see people who, who go, all right, for me, absolutely no secular music, no secular entertainment, TV, movies, and so forth. Uh, you can see how someone could get there. And it's like, that's, yeah, that's totally justifiable. I mean, it, make, it, it gives me a new respect for people who do that for the right reasons, not, not out of, you know, fear or that... Or it, legalism. Right, exactly. Not, th- those, I would say, are both the wrong reasons, although fear is at least... Uh, fear, fear can be a motivator for good. Uh, legalism, uh, that's, that's wrong. It's from the wrong perspective completely. <laughs> yeah. But, but, it, but it's, if someone's doing it for the right reason... To, to be a holy people, then those are noble aims. So I'm going to read 8 and 10, and I'm going to leave out 9, and here's why. 9 is in parentheses. We're going to come back to it, but 8 and 10 is all one sentence, and it's so good. And I'll, like I said, I'll come back and address 9. But the pers- first part of 8 says this. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. And I love this because it's not the only place in the Bible that Paul says it. He says it in Titus 3, for instance. Um, Paul's got this great perspective of what it meant to be who we were before and who we are now in Christ. And he addresses it really well here. So I'm going to read it. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light and find out what pleases the Lord. And that's 8 and 10 together. 9 in the middle, in parentheses, says, For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And the reason why I like that this is here is because we could have ended really on verse 7 and gone, this is all about not cursing and not telling dirty jokes and not living sexually impure. That's what it's all about. But Paul opened it with... um, you know, walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. And then he dovetails it back of going, now you are light in the Lord and live as children of light and find out what pleases the Lord. It's not so much don't do these things. That's why in there he goes, these things are just out of place. It's not like this hardcore, you've got to work your hardest to not do these things. It's a this should no longer be characteristic of your life. You should be living as children of light, which sounds weird and new agey. I don't mean it to. Um, 
But you are now light in the Lord. Live as children of light and find out what pleases the Lord. We shouldn't have a place for those things in our life because our pursuit should be what is pleasing to God. And that comes right back to where I started this with. The Bible isn't a bunch of don't do's. It's a bunch of here's how you should live. And this honestly is another great example of forget forget trying to not be sexually immoral. Forget trying not to use bad language or coarse joking or whatever you want to call it. Forget that. Focus on how can I live pleasing to God? It's so much easier that way. Uh, Verse 11, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Oh, I love this. I'm all about this. Uh, As long as I don't have to expose my own life. Um, (laughs) Aside, sorry. It's shameful to even mention what the disobedient do in secret. Man, harsh words. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Now, I want to address this. If you're in an NIV, you're used to these little things in quotations having a footnote. Yeah. And a reference for where it came from the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This one does not. Do you know why? I'm thinking it's from uh, a contemporary of Paul's. It's It's part of a worship song of their era, of the early church. This is all we have of it. But uh, historians say that this was part of a popular saying or even song, maybe, of the early church. It's just kind of cool. I wish I knew the melody to it, but I don't. Should we record it? Yes. Orion plays music. Yeah. Yeah, we can do this. We can, oh, yeah, yeah. We can resurrect this. All right. <laughs> That's the right word? <laughs> <laughs> kind of, because it says, wake up, sleep, or rise from the dead. Very good. Um. I, I don't want to brush over this and not address it, but he just really goes, um, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Everything should be about living in the light, whether it's your deeds, and he he's going to get to it um, in other chapters and in other books of, you know, we as people of Christ should be living lives out in the open that are above reproach. And if someone claims to be of Christ and is living a life that is not above reproach, we should be dragging it into the light. That's really uncomfortable. Man, you're full of this stuff. First Corinthians 5 talks right about it. I can't make this up. You're welcome to go look at it. It's right. In, it's at the end of the book. I can't give you the exact verse right now because I'm in Ephesians 5, but it's in there, I promise. So, um, verse 15. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise but is wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. What does that mean, Orion? What does it mean the days are evil? I thought it was just Mondays. Oh, Mondays are definitely (laughs) evil. But Sundays are holy? No, Saturdays. No, Sundays. Uh, Oh, man. No, Saturday. Uh, Wait, I thought every day was holy. As long as you just pick one. No. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, everybody. A little bit of inside joke with Orion and I. Sorry. And and we've referenced this on the the podcast before. We have. But uh, yeah, the the days are evil. This is one of those things that when it comes up, uh, it's it's just a fascinating wording. Paul's such an interesting guy. Uh, you're, you're, You're wishing that there was, you know, what was it like to 
hang casually with Jesus. And I equally wish that I had the same info on hanging with Paul. I think we talked about that at one point in our in our study of Romans of I had just like been to the room while he was dictating that thing because he just is on a roll. Yeah. And even just like the way he says stuff. Yeah, like yeah, the days are evil. Um I I dare I, I'm going on a limb here. There are there are instances in the Bible where the word evil in the original language is the same word for chaos. Uh-huh. And I'm not saying that that's here, but it wouldn't hurt my feelings if it if that were another like a paraphrase. Um and I don't know, but I'm honestly trying to figure it out as we speak. <laughs> um, uh, and the thing I've always thought or been taught and and was perfectly comfortable with teaching um, is that the idea of the days being evil had more to do with um, the time we live in or the fallen world we live in um, is... You know, Christ hasn't come to redeem us yet. We still live in a sinful world. And therefore, therefore that's what it means for the days to be evil. Sorry, I'm still actively reading. And so um, I'm trying to get the word right. Um, And I clicked on it, and it's not there. And I don't want to dwell on this for too terribly long, but there it is. I found it. Okay. Um, According to Strong's Concordance. That's where I am, yeah. I cannot pronounce the Greek word, but it is spelled P-O-N-E with a little thing on top of it, R-O-S. And it means toilsome or bad. Um, It's been used to, it's been translated in the Bible as evil, bad, wicked, malicious, or even slothful. Um, it's evil. <laughs> There's no other word there. What, I see, and I have. Uh, oh, yeah, something I don't. Go ahead. Well, from a, so from, it's a from a derivative of hurtful, but also meaning uh, calamitous. Yeah, diseased, culpable, vicious, uh, mischief, like you said. But but yeah, I mean bad bad things, which which you know chaos. Like we tend to think of chaos. When I use that word, uh, it, chaos is this, oh, it just means disorganized. No, chaos is the opposite of God. Yeah. Because God is order. Yeah. And it's interesting, too, um, and I don't want to pretend to um, drag this out to be something that it doesn't, but the root word behind that in the Greek, um, poneo, I'm, my Greek's terrible, literally means to toil. Or um, labor yeah. to labor, yeah, uh, full of labors or annoyances or hardships, and I like that in reference to this. I can't say that that's definitely what it means. The days suck. There you go. <laughs> that's where I was going with it. It's Ryan's not even... modern version. <laughs> the OMV, apparently. All right, let's let's get on it. So be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, and making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. I wish the next verse told us what the Lord's will was. But instead, I told you the Bible doesn't tell you to not do a bunch of things, but here it is. Do not get drunk on wine, 
Beer's fine. I'm just kidding. No. Don't you dare. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> totally joking. I can only tell you what it says. I can't tell you what it doesn't say. <laughs> Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. You go, oh, Peter, does that mean we can drink as Christians? Ah, if you want, I, you know, but it says to not get drunk on wine. What can you do for God drunk? I'm pretty sure it's nothing. I'm just guessing. Not, pretty sure. As, as, as one who, I've never been drunk. Okay. Okay. And I've, um, the majority of alcohol that I have consumed has been in the form of cough syrup when I was a kid. And I didn't OD. I, that was just Mouthwash? regular. Uh, I don't drink mouthwash. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have drinkable mouthwash? <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know what it's like, but but I believe I understand how this stuff... I am an adult. I've learned some things along the way. You can drink without becoming drunk. You can. Right? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. So, so when, when the, it's, to me, it's not an argument of whether or not a Christian can drink. Um, some people say, well, don't let even the appearance of... Um, Evil. Yeah. You yeah. Know. Okay. Well, it's First Thessalonians. It's, but yeah, but, but, but drinking, it, but drinking isn't uh, alcohol isn't evil. Right. Right. Like no, you're absolutely right. Uh, Jesus served the, the days stuff. are all right. Sorry, the yeah. days. There you go. go so ahead. so th- this doesn't this doesn't there's no conflict here. No, with the, the Christian walk. No, and again, this comes back to uh, can't make the Bible say something that it doesn't say. It doesn't say don't drink wine. Just don't be drunk with wine. No, and elsewhere in the Bible, it does. It says, "Don't no longer drink only water, but uh, wine's good for the belly or whatever." And yeah, it's Paul talking to Timothy. And Timothy, I'm a teetotaler, so it's like, oh dang, convicted again. Yeah, shoot, <laughs> that would make my stomach feel better. Water is my favorite beverage. Yeah. <laughs> but instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks. To God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. There it is. Again, it's Paul following, don't do these things. They're out of place. Approach each other in love. Find out what's pleasing to God. Don't get drunk on wine. It just leads to debauchery. Be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with songs. Like, don't use stupid foul jokes or dirty jokes. I... Quote song lyrics. This is way cooler, which I agree. It's kind of fun. If you, I think they did that on Whose Line Is It Anyway back in the day where they uh, can only do like song titles or something. I don't know, movie titles, maybe whatever. I don't know. But these are fun things to do. But this is the way we should be approaching each other, using thanksgiving. Giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus. Now, we shared this with Romans. We shared it again with Ephesians. When Paul wrote letters... He didn't write them. He dictated them. And there was places in Romans, and there's this is a place in Ephesians, where it completely shifts gears. Like we talked about how the end of chapter 4 continued right into 5, but right here in the middle of 5, Paul's just going to drop that whole discussion and pick up a new one. And you almost wonder if it's like, oh, we're done writing for today. Uh, whatever your name is, who's writing this down. Uh, you can go. Come back tomorrow. We'll pick up again. And the next morning he goes... You got your pen? Okay, verse 21. There were no verses. (laughs) Paul goes, uh, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And he goes, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. We're going to close in prayer. Mm. Thanks for listening. Mm. Oh, There's more here. Shoot. Uh, For the husband is the head of the wife. Yes, as Christ is the head of the church. 
His body of which uh, he is the Savior. So you didn't want to stop before that. No, I didn't want to stop before that. <laughs> and honestly, um, I, I say yes, just more joking than anything. I want to go to, through verse 24. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Now, there are plenty of women in the church who hate this passage. Yes. There are even more women outside of the church who maybe don't know this passage is in here, but if they knew, they'd be angry. You're missing the point. You're absolutely missing the point. First of all, because it's going to get really hard on guys here. There's, the uh, next verse, but by my estimation, three times more... Um, uh, haranguing of the guys than there is of the, the ladies here. And we're going to get to it, but yeah. what's commanded of the guys, honestly, is harder. Uh, you're not going to like that women. You're going to be like, oh, no, you should try being a wife. Trust me, what we're called to is harder, and I'll explain why when we get there. But never I, mind that. I, I feel like the, the qualifier for that should be, and the guys fail miserably. Every time. <laughs> yeah. Every that, single So w- when time. you say it's harder, the calling is harder, higher. Yeah. But the realization of it is... The execution's terrible. Oh, it's yeah, miserable. Terrible. On behalf of husbands everywhere. As a husband. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm not very yeah. good at this at all. Terrible. But... Yeah, let's, let's see what we're so bad at. So wives submit to your husbands. Well, my husband beats me. Don't submit to that. Remove yourself from that situation. Please. For your own safety, the safety of your children, and honestly, for the betterment of your husband, uh, get out of that situation. You don't have to submit to that. Um... This isn't talking about submitting to evil or to sin or whatever. This is talking about the way you honor and respect your husband. It says, now, as the church submits to Christ, that is, we follow him. That's what we do. He's our leader. He's our leader. We've submitted to him and followed him. Wives should also submit to their husbands and everything. It's in there. But look at the next verse. And and I'm going to... Uh, probably do the next three verses. Um, I'm going to break this down a lot, and it's not going to be fun. Here we go. Husbands, this is verse 25. Love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, and but holy and blameless. I want to say this first because I have heard this before. It's terrible. <laughs> I have heard men say, I will love my wife as Christ loved the church when she submits to me. No. I have heard women say, I will submit to my husband when he starts to love me as Christ loved the church. No. No. It doesn't work like that. Here's how I know it doesn't work like that. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Okay, I'm part of the church. Christ gave himself up for me 2,000 years plus before I ever gave myself to him. Part of loving your wives, men, as Christ loved the church is Christ gave himself up for us when we actually refused to have anything to do with him. Do you understand? If your wife wants nothing to do with you, you're still called to love her as Christ loved the church. That is hard stuff. 
And I'll be honest with you, it's not easy. And I'll be honest with you women, most men stink at this. All men probably stink at this. You may be listening going, oh, no, my husband's amazing. You don't know him. You're right, I don't. <laughs> We've never I met. haven't met him. <laughs> Have him send me an email, teach me your ways, sir. This is hard stuff. Christ gave himself up for sinners. Who are sinners? What is sin? Sin is anything that separates us from God. Who is Christ? God. God gave himself up for us while we were doing things that separated us from him. Do you hear this, men? This is how you are called to love your wife. This is a difficult teaching. Who can accept it? Who can accept it? I cannot pretend the Bible does not say something that it does. Women, are you called to submit to your husbands as the church is called to submit to Christ? Absolutely. What are you supposed to get out of that deal? A husband who loves you in spite of, in spite of the way you are. And I'm not saying that you're bad. Don't send me emails going, oh, Peter said we're all horrible wives. No, 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 no. No, no. We're all sinners. All of us. What, your sin of choice is honestly none of my business. I have my own sin of choice I'm trying to deal with on a regular basis. We're all sinners. We've all turned our backs on God. The coolest thing God did in the Bible is this, he drew this picture of husbands and wives in relation to the church in Christ. Do you understand married couples? You have an, oh, you're not ready because I'm not ready. You have an obligation as believers, husband and wife in Christ, to provide an example to the world of how we ought to interact with him. You have a high calling when you commit to marry another person, particularly as believers. There are all sorts of non-believers jumping into marriage relationships without even understanding what it is their relationship exemplifies. But as believers, we have, uh, we have a, a high calling. Gosh, that doesn't even do it justice. I'm trying to find the right fancy word, and I don't have it. But we have, we've been entrusted with the very example of God's love and life to us and how we should respond to him in turn. Ooh. The catch is, the catch is, both sides of the equation in a marriage are fallen people. So how do we handle it when the other side doesn't keep up their end of the bargain? Mm. See, here's the thing. Husbands, this is why we have the harder part. Because when it's the church to Christ, Christ is never not going to keep up his end of the bargain, which is what we're called to, husbands. The church fails to keep up its end of the bargain to Christ all the time. That's what women are called to. Oh, man, that didn't come out right. But husbands, we are called to be in a place where we never fail to keep up our end of the bargain. This is hard stuff. We are to live as Christ lives to the church. We are to live that way for our wives. To, to be fair to the other side of that uh, argument or equation, the church is also called not to sin. Oh, absolutely. And, and, I'm not arguing yeah. with you there. Yeah. Not, I'm not trying to give no, I, Christians I, or wives an excuse. I know. I, I, I felt that there was maybe just a hint of emphasis on one, you sure. know. But I just, just, part of it's because I'm a husband. I, you know, this is the part that it hits me hard. It's, when I had heard this verse, these verses, 
dozens if not more times. And at one point years ago, it hit me right between the eyes that Christ gave himself up for the church in spite of the church's complete unwillingness to come to him at the time. That's a hard calling. But then this idea, um, and it's a, it's a principle of truth, that as husbands and wives, we are called to be the living, breathing example of the bond between Christ and the church to the world and to the rest of the church, to our kids, to our neighbors, to our friends, to other couples in our churches who aren't cutting it, who are falling apart. We are to stand in the gap for them and be an example to them. And not as a, look at how much better we are at Ephesians 5 than you. But we as Christian couples need to get here. That the divorce rate is higher in the church. I realize the data is skewed because plenty of people outside the church aren't even getting married anymore. But the divorce rate is higher in the church. is garbage. Garbage. I wanted to use other words, but we just talked about course, course language. language yeah. Some will let it go. But it's garbage. Anyway, here we go. All right. Uh, Verse 25. In the same way, no, sorry, 28. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. And there's a principle here about love. If you're young and you're single and and you're listening and you're, you're having a hard time finding love or relationship or anything else out there, you need to hear a truth that's in this verse. In the same way, it says, he who loves his wife loves himself. If you have not figured out how much God loves you and understand your identity and worth in God's love for you, you will not be capable of loving someone else on the level we're called to here. Figure out who you are and what love really means. Understand your value in Christ and that that gives you value before you ever go trying to find value in or around anyone else. There's there's a lot of, I mean, there's a, there's a whole discussion here, but I can't remember if we've talked about it before, but people equate love and uh, sexuality, like where that, people say, oh, okay, sexu- sexuality is a part of love in a romantic couple or whatever. Um, no, it's not. No, that, no, it's that's, not. That's, not what, that's not love. Uh, no, it's not. Yeah, and, and, that, and that's tough for some people because it's, it's, it's so in the public culture and in the media and the word love gets thrown out so much that it doesn't have the meaning anymore. The meaning of love is this sacrifice, sacrificial giving with, it, it's, the, it's the God giving us himself, that relationship with himself, when like you said, we were not asking for it. We didn't know we wanted it. Yeah. We said we hated it. We, we said we didn't want it. Yeah. You know, that, that Paul love, says elsewhere we lived as enemies be, of God. Because, yeah, be, because, it, it, it's, because it's in the other person's best interest. You do it, even when they spit in your face. Like that, that no one wants, no one even wants to glorify that kind of love in the world. No, it's much easier to just go, well, the, the sexual, the sexuality aspect or, you know, or lust. That's not what that means. So to, to, the, to the single person, I guess my, Angle would be, don't confuse those things. No. Uh, love, love in a relationship can exist uh, completely removed from a sexual relationship. It's not by design supposed to in the marriage, but the love needs to be there first. Absolutely, and yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, 
I, we can spend a lot of time on this subject. Yeah. But it'll go sideways fast. Maybe. Maybe not. Verse 29. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. I don't even need to look at the footnote. I know that's in Genesis 2. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. You know, it's so funny that that's even in here because modern, uh, secular, relationship, counselor, therapist, experts will tell you that men want respect and women want love. Here it is 2,000 years ago. Paul goes, oh yeah, wives, you need to respect your husbands and husbands, you need to love your wives. Like, you didn't need some professor of psychology or whatever else with, you know, several years as a marriage and family therapist to tell you this. It's in the Bible. It's how God wired us and how he created us. And it's just further evidence of his playing out the truth of Christ and the church in our lives as husbands and wives, as men and women. Um, It's the end of chapter 5. I can't wait as a parent for chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. But you have to tune into the next episode to get it. Mm -hmm.